Good evening, and welcome to the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program, sponsored by Heritage Baptist Church in New York City, a church that is committed to proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ in an atmosphere of love. Please join us this hour as Pastor Matthew Recker opens the Word of God and then brings others, including you, into the conversation. Tonight, we'll seek to have a dialogue that will glorify God and will show how the Bible is relevant to everyday life. Our desire is to lead people to salvation in Christ and encourage believers in their spiritual growth. Join us and build up your own heritage of faith. Welcome to all of our listeners. We are grateful to be with you again tonight for another episode of the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program. We are live this Sunday with Heritage Baptist Church and our host, Pastor Matthew Recker. My name is Micah and I'm the ministry assistant at Heritage and tonight we continue our conversation on the book of Genesis and today we are going to talk about day two. If you would like to join tonight, give us a call. Our studio phone number is 929-333-3739. Pastor Matt. Every week, we encourage our listeners to call in and speak with our call screeners if they want to join our conversation, but also even if they just want prayer, if they have prayer requests, and oftentimes people do take us up on this, and I wanted to share a prayer request tonight. Is that okay? Oh, absolutely, Micah. Okay, yeah, yeah so I have a... If you have a prayer request, it's important. <laughs> okay, so I have a, a loose connection with a woman named Tiffany, and she lives in Long Island, and she is 33 years old. She has two young children. They are five and six. And she has battled cancer. And so this past week, uh, we found out that she, her doctors have told her that the cancer is back. It has reached her brain, has spread to her brain, and that there's nothing the doctors can do. And she, I guess she, they've given her maybe a month, possibly just weeks to live. So I just want to, you know, the Holy Spirit has compelled me to really go to prayer for this woman. And, you know, we know that God is a God of miracles and that he can heal her. Yes. Um, you know, when I think about these kids, five and six, I, I heard last night that she had a conversation with her young daughter, who's five, and she said, is it okay if mommy goes to Jesus and waits for you there? And the daughter said, um, yeah, it's okay, mom, but not yet. Mm. And yeah. so I just, I just want to pray that, you know, that little girl's prayer of not yet is answered tonight. Yeah. And so Amen. if any of our listeners out there want to join me in this prayer, um, they mm. certainly can, and I'm just going to pray. A short prayer. Dear Lord, I just uh, pray for this woman, Tiffany, Lord. She is young. She has young children. She is a believer. She knows where she's going, and she knows you, Lord. But we, we just ask you to answer this prayer of a five-year-old that says, not yet. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we know that you're the God of mercy. We know that you are the God of miracles. And so we just pray, Lord, for a miracle in this life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And, Lord, right. we want to just pray as well for Tiffany that you would visit her the way you visit visited Simon Peter's wife's mother who Mm. was sick Mm -hmm. and Lord you took her by the hand and you lifted her up and immediately that fever left Peter's mother-in-law and we're praying that you would take Tiffany by your hand Lord Mm. your mighty hand of powerful love and healing and minister to her healing Lord so she can be raised up to minister to you and bring up her her children her two precious children for you in Jesus name Amen. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Thank you for sharing that. Thanks, Pastor. Uh, Micah. And it's good to have with us again, uh, Brother Chris Fox. Chris, we have a caller named Chris Fox, and the first time he called, I thought it was you. And when he started speaking, I'm like, that's not Chris Fox. But the real Chris Fox that I thought was calling is here. So nice uh, to have you. Good evening, Pastor Pecco. 
Glad to be here. Yeah. Yes, sir. Happy to have you. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, thank you, uh, uh, Chris. And, you know, you have an interest in martial arts, don't you? I've been training for this spring, makes 34 years. Wow. So. What is your level, then? Well, I have uh, black belt rankings, down rankings, if you want to call it by the official title, in Okinawan Gojuru Karate, uh, Kyokushinkai Karate, which is a Japanese base, as well as two different styles of jiu-jitsu, which we call American eclectic, for a better word. So mm. stand-up movie, well, not Brazilian. Yeah. And um, all in all, it's just a method, not only of self-discipline, but of recognition of we as Christians are here to not only glorify God's word, but also be of a blessing to others around us. Amen. Amen. So we're well protected tonight. You mean if, if we say anything that gets the listeners angry and they want to come down to the studio, they should think twice. Cause okay, yeah. <laughs> well, blessed are the peacemakers. We call the God. Yeah, amen. amen. Well, good to have you, Chris. And that is very interesting. You're very accomplished, and congratulations on your 30 years of hard work and training in that. Well, thank you. That's to be commended. Okay, so tonight we are going to continue our study in the days of creation. We're on day two, and I kind of quipped... And don't misunderstand me. I said this is kind of like the boring day of creation mm, because mm. it's not like he creates, uh, he doesn't create the uh, dinosaurs and the whales or yeah, man. Yeah. And, and like you said, he doesn't say on this day it was good, right. which is mm -hmm. unusual. Mm -hmm. And the other days are, you know, there's, there's different elements. This, this is a short day. It's only yeah. three verses. Three verses, yep. And, and like you said, a, a renowned creation expert, I won't say his name because he was wrong, said that there was actually nothing even created on this day, but it does say God made yeah. the firmament. Mm -hmm. And so there's a, a creation work of the firmament, uh, our breathing space and living space here on day two. So let's read this. I'll begin at verse 6, and we'll read just verses 6, 7, and 8, and then we'll have a prayer tonight. As we look at the second day of creation, and we do invite our listeners to call us, if we could pray with you as well about anything, as we just prayed for Tiffany, we would love to be able to bear up your burden in prayer at 929-333-3739. That number, 929-333-3739. Verse 6, Genesis 1, And God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament, and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. Okay, pretty straightforward. Mm -hmm. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your straightforward power and your goodness and grace to make us this firmament for us to live in and that you keep this firmament that is really this this section of creation is a cause of great fear of many even in our society that it will break down in the ozone layer and that we will not be able to survive what man what man's living on this earth would do to it but lord we thank you that you made it and you're going to preserve it and we trust you god so bless us now as we study the second day of creation in jesus name amen amen, amen. so we have to believe and there's a major difference between evolutionary theory and biblical creation the bible 
clearly teaches we did not come from the rocks mm. or primordial slime, mm -hmm. but an all-wise, all-powerful, eternal God in the past, suddenly and supernaturally, instantaneously, out of nothing, without any pre-existing materials, created the universe as we now live in it in six 24-hour days. And then he rested on the seventh. So we're going to continue. We talked a little bit about the age of the earth last week. And I read this week in, in some of my readings, some about that that mm -hmm. I thought was interesting. I jotted it down. And, and, it, and I read that because God created the earth with the appearance of age. Mm -hmm. So how old was the rock? How old did the rock look or the mountain look or the stream look the day he created it? Yeah. Right? So the only way we can really determine the true age of the earth is not, is by divine revelation, mm -hmm. is by the word of God itself. Mm -hmm. Because only God was there. So he created with the appearance of age. Yeah. Now just think of it. Yeah. We, well, we talked about, yeah. you know, God didn't plant seeds on day three. He created full grown trees. So without that divine revelation, as you're talking about, Pastor, we don't know how old any of it was. Yeah. And so, and again, it does create it, it causes us to ha to be pushed to faith in yeah. the Bible mm -hmm. because you know the scientists tell us millions and billions of years yeah. because you know when that stream was created when that rock was created it might have looked millions of years old yeah. but it yeah. was just created by God so that's where faith comes in mm -hmm. so let's look at day two as God continues to shape the world into unhabitable environment and let's. We prayed already. Yeah. Oh. Man, I'm getting old. I couldn't. Did I pray? Okay. Yeah, that's right. I remember I prayed for Tiffany. I'm sorry. Okay. Just making sure I didn't want to forget the prayer. All right. Let's see tonight how God created the atmosphere. And we're going to look at three things. The first thing is the firmament itself, which is our living space. So on day one, the earth was dominated by water and light. And still as we come to day two, the earth is completely covered in water, but mm -hmm. there's movement in that water. God moved upon the face of the water, so there's gravitational forces are now in action. And now on this day, it says how God said, "Let the let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, a living space, a space, a heavenly space." in the middle of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. Now, mm -hmm. that's a bit confusing, mm. in a way. So, Chris, how would what would you say about this firmament that God makes on day two, and how is it different from what he made on day one when he created the heaven and the earth? Well, one of the things about the word firmament is very indicative of the Bible in general, is that you have layers of meanings, you have different interpretations based on context. Mm. That being said, what was created initially, the atmosphere, the earth, was meant for a foundation. The firmament on the second day was created for us as a living space, mm. the creatures of the earth. And it was meant to be where we could exist. Mm -hmm. We could have a livable atmosphere where we could be beneficial a beneficial say of the nutrients of the earth. In other words, you have an atmosphere where we can be existing and we can find ourselves able to glorify God. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And last week we talked about how conservative biblical scholars have calculated the age of the earth to be about 6,000 years old. 
What's amazing to me, you know, regarding the firmament is that for 5,900 of those years, man was unable to travel up into the firmament, unable to go up into the sky. But for the last 100 years or so, flying is possible. And most of us have looked out an airplane window to see the firmament that Chris was just talking about while we were actually in the firmament. It's incredible even to look down mm. on the clouds. And we love to quote Psalm 119, verse 1, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Now, astronauts who go up even higher, they can actually see our atmosphere from space. It's a distinct, thin, sky-blue layer between the Earth and the blackness of the universe. And this is shown even in satellite images, so we can see it as well. And this thin blue layer is what God made on day two of creation. Right, absolutely. And it is a thin layer mm-hmm. in comparison to this massive universe yeah. of space that that we're in it's it's really quite incredible and psalm 104 verse 2 describes it as a curtain mm. you know and a curtain is very you know it's it's a thin piece of cloth that kind of defines your living space of your home and beautifies it mm-hmm. psalm 104 2 says he stretched out the heavens like a curtain Isaiah 40, verse 22 says, He stretched out the heavens as a curtain and spreads them out as a tent to dwell in. So that that is very beautiful. If I can also say this about this word firmament and how it is used here in chapter 1. In verses 14 and 15 and 17, the word is used to describe the outer space, mm-hmm. where the moon and right. the stars mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. At, for example, in verse 17, he says, God set them in the firmament of the heaven mm-hmm. to give light upon the earth, speaking about the moon and the sun. Mm-hmm. So the firmament is used as a word to describe the outer space. Uh-huh. But also, it's used to clearly describe our living space. In verse 20... God, when he made the birds, he says, and let the fowl fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. Mm. So the word firmament itself just means space, open space. But as we're saying, on day two, it's clearly God is making our living space, which is called by the prophet and by the psalmist like a curtain Mm. for us to dwell in. Mm -hmm. And it's miraculous. Yeah. And it's the power of God. And it does declare, surely, his glory. So, again, Genesis 1-7 says God made the firmament. So there is a work of creation there. This word, made, is also used almost synonymously uh-huh. with the main work, or with the main word used in verse 1, in the beginning God created. So in chapter 2, verse 3, it says, from all the work which God created and made. And so here he made mm-hmm. the firmament. He fashioned it, and he had to make certain elements that were unique to this living space that are not in the outer space, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because we cannot breathe out in the, in the, in the outer space. Right. We, mm-hmm. we, and certain laws that are in this living space are, are in existence there. So... What did God make then on this day too? And how finely tuned is our atmosphere that God made? Yeah, well, last week, uh, actually a couple weeks ago, we talked about the anthropic principle. And the idea behind it is that there are multiple constants within our universe where 
they must be precisely as they are for life to even exist. So some describe it as a fine-tuned universe. Others call this the Goldilocks principle because everything was just right. And this principle especially applies to Earth's atmosphere. Now, I was reading an article about the Earth's atmosphere this week on NASA's website, and it said that for many decades, astrobiologists believed that the atmosphere was once a toxic brew of methane and ammonia because that was the atmosphere that evolutionary scientists thought would have to be necessary for life to be spontaneously produced in that, you know, that soup that we've talked about. But, surprise, surprise, about 10 years ago, they completely changed their story. They did this study on the oldest minerals on Earth, and they now say that the atmosphere then, at the beginning, was, quote, much like it is today. So, folks, you uh-huh. can ignore the knots that these people tie themselves up in and just believe the Bible. The atmosphere was finely tuned for life on day two, just as the Bible tells us. I agree. And with that said, yeah. one of the things that scientists, unfortunately scientists, let me say it that yeah. way, mm-hmm. are always trying to disprove that there's a creator, disprove God, where they always come back and recognize God is the creator, God is the one who created the laws of science. Yeah. Man still trying to play catch up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's an example right yeah. there. An- another verse here that fits into this this conversation is Psalm eight three. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. What is man? And when we consider the whole work of creation in general, we just get smaller and smaller. In <laughs> yeah. and, and and God becomes more powerful and more powerful and wiser yeah. in what he has done. Mm-hmm. And we talk about the precision of our atmosphere. It is amazing because if oxygen were a greater percentage of what it is now in our atmosphere, which is about 21%, fires would erupt spontaneously. But if oxygen was only 15% of our atmosphere, we would all suffocate immediately. So oxygen, the oxygen level in our atmosphere is about 21%. Mm-hmm. And nitrogen is about 78% of our living atmosphere. Now add up 21% and 78%, and that's 99. 99% of our atmosphere. The other 1% of our atmosphere is vital also to our survival. Think of that. Yeah. So in that 1%, there's all kinds of, of different elements. There's neon, helium, methane, krypton, hydrogen, nitrous oxide, xenon, iodine, carbon monoxide, ammonia, and whoops, let me not forget ozone. Because that's what we, 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 we almost like make it, we hear so much about ozone, it's like the ozone layer. It must be this huge percentage of the air. You know, ozone is a very small percentage of our atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And yet, it's important. Yeah. And God keeps it all finely tuned because mm-hmm. he's an all-wise, all-powerful God, not only to create, but then to preserve, right? He's the preserver of what he has created. All right, so let's continue to talk about this living space and talking about ozone. Yeah. Now Micah. Okay, let's <laughs> let's go into Al Gore country here. <laughs> no. Yeah. We hear a lot about the ozone layer. 
We're often warned, oh, you know, if you drive your SOV, uh, S, SOV, SUV, yeah. and if you fly your airplanes around, uh, you're going to destroy the ozone layer of the earth. You have to lower your carbon footprint to be a good global citizen, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So we're being scared that if we just simply use what God has put here, there's going to be some great global catastrophe. And we're going to lead to the destruction of life. And you ought to feel guilty about that. But what exactly is the ozone layer? What is its importance? And what do we have to say about all these things? Yeah, well, the ozone layer, simply described, is a region of the Earth's stratosphere which absorbs most of the sun's dangerous ultraviolet radiation, shielding the humans and the animals down below. It's kind of like a pair of protective sunglasses for the Earth, and it's another example of God's fine-tuning. Now, if you are 18 years old, like somebody in the studio with us right now, she's not going to talk, but um, you know, she didn't even know about this climate catastrophe that never was. But if you're as old as I am, you remember in the early 90s, in 1990s, supposedly a growing hole was in the ozone layer, and it was said that if we didn't get rid of styrofoam and CFC refrigeration gases, the hole in the ozone layer would just get bigger and bigger, and we would all die of skin cancer. Now, I'll admit... As a 12-year-old in sixth grade, I bought into this. I got to the point where I refused to eat and drink from styrofoam. In fact, I went to camp hmm. with my sixth grade class, and I barely ate anything for several days because they served all the food and drink on styrofoam plates and cups. <laughs> but guess what? You missed all that good spaghetti, huh? <laughs> and mac and cheese. That's about I'm, what they serve I'm at I'm making camp, it up at Tri-State yeah, as okay. I go. But guess what? The scientific data now shows us that long before any real changes were made to the sea, CFC gas use, the hole in the ozone layer actually started to shrink on its own. It turns out that the ozone simply fluctuates along with the rest of the climate. So this was surely a lesson for me, and I will forever be skeptical of anyone spouting climate hysteria, especially if they're buying beachfront property at the same time. Yeah, right. So 90% of our ozone, scientists say, resides in the stratosphere layer, which is about 6 to 10 miles above the Earth's surface. And only a trace amount of ozone is in that stratosphere, point zero 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 four percent Wow. Think of that. Yeah. Yet it's still important. It's still important. Yep. Because God created it. So, you know, talk about all this global catastrophe. Mm -hmm. And I think we're in the ozone. We can talk about it a little bit. Okay. The first Earth Day was in 1970. Yeah. We were told at that point by Harvard biologists that civilization will end between 15 and 30 years, unless immediate action is taken. That was 1970. So mm -hmm. when should civilization have ended, according to him? <laughs> A long time ago. <laughs> like two, that, yeah, yeah, like 20 years ago, at least. That's on the upper level. Yeah. So they said we're all going to die through pollution. We're going to, you know, through pollution and mass starvation because we're going to, the, the earth is going to be destroyed. The food will not be able to be made or yeah. won't be able to grow mm -hmm. and so forth. Yeah. Well, we're still here. So what is what happens next? Al Gore comes along. Yeah. Basically scaring everyone. Mm -hmm. Saying the carbon dioxide that that is spewing fossil fuels and other greenhouse gases is warming the world at an alarming rate and it's going to destroy the health and livelihoods of millions of people. 
and no one was listening to the scientists, so Al Gore came out with his documentary film, mm -hmm. and that was called... An Inconvenient Truth. Inconvenient Truth, which actually turned to be a very convenient lie hmm. for Al Gore, because the guy got literally rich. Mm -hmm. And you're going to tell us about yeah, that, right, in just a minute. Yeah. But he came along and told us we were all in danger, and, and I believe I'm going to quote right here, because I believe he has been misquoted. But he said researchers were warning that there was a 75% chance that the ice on the Arctic could be gone at least during some of the southern months within five to seven years. Now, that's a lot of wiggle room to get out of that. Mm -hmm. You know, he's like 75% right. chance yeah. and at least some of those, the summer months between five. But none of it even happened. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And even the researchers that he was quoting later went on to say that he was misrepresenting the details mm. of that research mm. and as i said even though he won various awards academy awards and yeah. all kinds of other awards it wasn't true and basically these politicians mm -hmm. they're always warning us that in 10 to 12 years yeah. 5 to 7 years yeah. they're like AOC they're mm -hmm. always they're always trying to scare us mm -hmm. that if we don't act now you know we're and basically it's an opportunity for them to put us in fear mm -hmm. and to control us how we live yeah. and yet they live like rich people you yeah. know flying around and driving their SUVs yeah. and they want you to drive a smart car yeah okay they fly around in their <laughs> private jets yeah. Uh, you know, people may barely remember this, but it's just kind of a parable of what's going on here. You know, Al Gore, that famous foe of fossil fuels, once owned a cable news channel called Current TV. Almost nobody watched it, but in 2012, he sold it to Al Jazeera, a pan-Arabic news channel funded primary, primarily by the Qatari government, which is funded in large part by their oil industry over there in the Middle East. So in other words, Al Gore made $100 million funded by Middle Eastern oil. So we're not talking about any one person here. It's not even about Al Gore. You know, and Pastor, you've said many, many times that, you know, we are supposed to be stewards of the earth. We love the earth. We're talking about creation That's over right. the next few weeks. And Our you know, God we love the, the earth. earth. Yeah. But we know from the Bible that we are not the ones who's going to destroy the earth. So God right. is in charge of the earth and we don't have to be, we don't have to live in fear from whatever messages come our way. And, you know, I, I do believe this also, that the fear-mongering of the climate change extremists, which really boils down to, to worshiping the earth mm -hmm. rather than worshiping God, yeah. it's going to blind their eyes yeah. when God sends the judgments. And we talked about this mm -hmm. in the book of the Revelation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they're, go they're not even going to see that this is God's judgment on the earth. They're going to say, oh, it's you people who are abusing the earth causing yeah. mm -hmm. these judgments. And so it's really going to lead to major deception. And so, dear friends, all we're really saying is God created this firmament and he's going to preserve it mm -hmm. until he's done using it for us yeah. here. Mm -hmm. And then he's going to, he will remake this heaven and the earth. Yeah. And we're going to have something better on the other side. But until then, we can trust that God who made the fossil fuels, you could still drive your car. You could still fly the plane. Mm -hmm. God, God knew that we were going to come up with these great inventions. Yeah. He knew about the Wright brothers, yeah. you know, <laughs> that they would do, invent an airplane. He knew about Henry Ford, you yeah. know, mm -hmm. that he was going to invent a car. And, and so we can use these things. Mm -hmm. 
as instruments to serve God here. Yeah. You know, and we mm-hmm. don't have to be afraid. Amen. Amen, now, Pastor. Pastor, if I may. Yeah. Is it safe to say that because of what's becoming a earth slash nature worship, if you will, that when God passes his judgments, it will almost parallel to the plagues of Egypt, meaning that, again, yeah. the Egyptians had their own deities, their own false deities they worshipped. Good point. And that what happened was the punishments, the plagues of Egypt, were directly insulting the rebuttals yeah. to the false gods that they've served. And to show that God is the true God over all the false gods of men. And absolutely, that's a, that's a wonderful point, Chris. So let's continue talking about this firmament, not only as a living space, but as a separating space. Now here there's a view that we're going to talk, and it's, it's more of a theory, but mm-hmm. we're going to see it here as a strong possibility in God's Word called a water vapor canopy theory. So on day two, as we read here in the scripture, it says, God said, let there be a firmament, this space, in the middle of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. So God made the firmament, verse 7, he divided the waters which were above the firmament from the waters which were uh, I'm sorry, the, the waters uh, from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. So there was water under the firmament, that's the water that's in the seas. Mm-hmm. And then it seems that God literally swo- swooped down his mighty hand, if you will, mm-hmm. and separated the waters that were in the earth mm-hmm. and lifted them up and put a waters above the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Now, Dr. John Whitcomb and Henry Morris both believed it possible that before the flood, the earth was surrounded, because of what we read here, by a giant water vapor canopy. There was water below in the seas and a great amount of water above our atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. So let me, I want to read from, from a landmark book by Whitcomb and Morris, it's called The Genesis Flood, where they talk about this water vapor canopy theory, and then we could talk more about it. And I'm reading, if you guys have the book, it's called The Genesis Flood, you can read along with me on page 215. (laughs) Mention is made in Genesis 1-7 of a division of waters covering the earth at the time of creation into two portions separated by an expanse of atmosphere in which birds were to fly and in which light from the sun, moon, and stars was to be refracted and diffused to give light on the earth. The waters above the firmament seem to imply more than our present clouds and atmospheric water vapor, especially since Genesis 2.5 implies that during this time, rainfall was not experienced on the earth. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the critical components to this idea, or their theory here, yeah. that, that the geography and the atmosphere before the flood was different uh-huh. than, than after the flood, because before the flood, there was just a mist of rain, but not the kind of rains that we experience. Mm. So, these upper waters were therefore placed in that position by divine creativity, not by normal processes of the hydrologic cycle 
of the present day. And you know what? Henry Morse was a doctor of hydrology oh, or wow. the movement of water. Oh, okay. So that was his love and his specialty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he said the upper waters did not, however, obscure the light from the heavenly bodies and so must have been in the form of invisible water vapor. Such a vast expanse of water vapor would necessarily have had a profound effect on terrestrial climates and therefore on geologic activity. So that that kind of lays that foundation there. Mm-hmm. Did mm-hmm. you want to... Any comments about that? You don't have to, but uh, yeah. I have answers to your questions okay. you're coming <laughs> okay. up with. <laughs> okay. So, there is this strong possibility of this water vapor canopy. So let's talk about it because there's a, a few factors before the flood that people have questions about. Mm-hmm. And Chris, for example, one of these factors is the long lives of those who lived before the flood, even Methuselah. He lived, how many years? Everybody knows, 969 years. And others, you know, in in that range, not not as much. But So how did that happen? And could the water vapor canopy have uh, been a part of the reason why it did happen? Chris? Certainly. Well, here's the thing. Men and women at the time, some women as well, lived to be 800 and 900 years old plus routinely. Mm-hmm. Yet after the flood, we found that you had certain figures such as Abraham, 175 years old, or Job, which is speculated to have been perhaps 200 years old. And later down the road, Moses, 120. It seemed that the lifestyle, the lifespan, I should say, of men diminished generations after the flood. Mm-hmm. So why... Was there a difference in longevity? The water canopy, the atmosphere, being as uh, hydrated as it was, may have given, first of all, a certain level of protection. You have different ultraviolet rays, cosmic rays, gamma rays, so forth from the atmosphere. This atmospheric protection, if you will, this filter, may have given man extended long life because he didn't have to deal with the poisons of the atmosphere outside of the firmament, mm-hmm. per se, of Earth. And as a result, it gave man the opportunity to live a full life spot, lifetime as was designed. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And of course, when God first created man, there weren't viruses. His gene pool was pure. There were not mutations. Mm-hmm. They did not give children 69 mandated doses of uh, vaccine doses by the age of 18 nobody Mm -hmm. took vaccines Mm -hmm. you know that could potentially bring other illness or sickness there was no high fructose corn syrup my wife will love me saying that (laughs) there was no msg no msg my favorite food yeah (laughs) and you know so there was just overall uh, you know a healthy living and again the gene pool was pure there were no mutations or viruses Mm -hmm. yeah which would also have participated in the longer life but I definitely agree that this water vapor canopy was critical to the long lives. Yeah, it seems like there could have been lots of factors uh, contributing to people living longer Um, I looked up the average lifespan of Americans today, it's a little more than 79 years old, so technically Methuselah would have lived 12 times as long and I do think that the vapor canopy provides some plausible answers Um, we talked about the ozone layer, this would have been like a super ozone layer where only the perfect amount of sun rays to sustain light would have gotten through, so no more skin cancer no more premature aging and um, along with some other factors like more perfect DNA, I agree the vapor canopy might have been a 
possible reason that men lived much, much longer pre-flood. If I may say, just from even a secularized point of view, mm-hmm. um, we do some research. Dinosaurs, pterodactyls, yeah. okay. flying dinosaurs, which are nobody suspected they existed. You have fossils in museums and so forth. Yeah. Were able to obviously fly within the atmosphere of ancient Earth. Not saying millions of years, but saying an earlier Earth, if you will. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes, and said that those same creatures, based on what's known, could not fly within the atmosphere that exists today. Hmm. Yet the scientists do not deny that these creatures would have had the ability to fly and obviously did do so. Hmm. Something changed. Something changed. Something wow. of an enrichment, yeah. something of an environment which was oxygen uh, supercharged, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. was no longer in the world. And it's been known, different athletes, different healing methods of supercharged oxygen within uh, air machines and so forth to super enrich the bloodstreams have been known to give healing factors and uh, extend longevity for different blood cells. Hmm. These things all have a factor. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. And remember, too, what Peter says in Second Peter chapter 3, when he, he talks about the heaven and the earth before the flood, and then the heaven and the earth, the heaven and the earth after the flood was a new heaven and earth. Mm-hmm. And as he writes it, and I'll, I'll read in Second Peter chapter 3, he says... People say, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. That's what we've been talking about, that uniformitarianism. Mm -hmm. That's a denial of the flood. And then Peter says, for this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. So there was water in the earth, but also water above the earth. Peter seems to indicate some Mm. kind of a a vapor canopy there. And then he says, the world that then was being overflowed with water perished, and the heaven and the earth, which are now Mm. by the same word, Mm -hmm. he says, are kept in store. Mm. So God does keep. But but what I'm saying is Mm -hmm. that the flood changed the yeah. atmosphere mm-hmm. as well as the geography, and we'll talk more about that when we talk about getting to the flood of the earth. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. it's really quite amazing. Hmm. All right, so let's let's move on here and talk about another reason why this water vapor canopy idea uh, theory could well be true is that they have found fossils of tropical plants and animals in cold weather climates, mm-hmm. it's, and so the question is is and what Morris and Whitcomb uh, theorize is that the water vapor canopy made the earth uniformly warm. And basically the earth was kind of like a giant greenhouse, mm-hmm. a, a giant greenhouse mm-hmm. effect. So what, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, well, just basic logic and reason, Pastor tells us, that if the fossils of tropical creatures are found in cold cli- climates, then those climates used to be tropical. So the water canopy could... It may have been uh, one of the reasons why. It served as a regulator for temperature and humidity planet-wide, and this would also be another reason why human life was lengthened. Imagine weather similar to that of Hawaii, perfectly warm with just enough moisture in the air, and because temperatures would have remained constant, there wouldn't be the natural disasters like hurricanes, typhoons, tornadoes, and droughts. It would be a truly climate-controlled environment, and there would be an absence of extreme weather. Again, one more reason men lived so much longer. Yeah, and again, in the Genesis record, Morris and Whitcomb speak about 
palm leaf fossil six to eight feet in length. Can you imagine a palm leaf as mm. tall as you? Even taller, eight feet in length. From three to four feet wide, they've been uncovered. And this is in Lincoln County, Wyoming, at a national park there, which has blizzard-ridden mountains where these fossils were found. And so this substantiates that the earth was one time uniformly warm, and they've also found some gar pike ranging in size from four to six feet, which again is tropical type of an animal, and other fossils in this blizzard kind of atmosphere mm -hmm. that is now. So at one time there were there was warm uh, warm weathered animals as well as plants there. Okay, let's give um, our callers an opportunity to give us a call. Give us a call right now. We would like to pray with you if you have any special burden on your heart. Maybe you have lost a loved one. Mm -hmm. A number of people in our church recently have lost loved ones, and we know that that's a time of grief where you would really appreciate somebody to just come alongside you, and that's who, what the Holy Spirit does for sure, but we would like to be instruments as well of the Spirit of God in your life to encourage you. Maybe you have a, a great challenge in your life financially, maybe because of this pandemic you're going through financial difficulties or maybe even some illness or sickness in your family. Maybe you would like for us to pray for the salvation of a loved one. We would love to uh pray with you about that. Maybe you're praying for the Lord to help you find a good church. I mean, there's a lot of things you could be praying about. Yeah. Can we please encourage you and help you? Give us a call right now at 929-333-3739. And we're gonna, why don't we play a song okay. as well? Can we do yeah. that? Mm -hmm. And that way the listeners will be encouraged to give us a call. So call us right now at 929 333 3739. We would really be honored to have you come. Give us a call. Visit our church. But right now, call us right now at 929 333 
Yes, hallelujah. Praise God. God is great. And we are so thankful for the power of God. We glorify you, O God, for your great and mighty power. So we're talking about this theory of the water vapor canopy. And let me just say, not everybody... Not everybody believes in this mm-hmm. in this water vapor canopy right. theory. And I actually have a, a book that I really like. It's called Creation and Change by Douglas Kelly. And without getting into all the details, but he gives some of the problems of it. And so I just wanted to also put that out there, that there will be some Christians who would disagree with this theory, but I do believe it has biblical... Uh, biblical backing, but they say the difficulties, there's a heat problem, a light problem, a pressure problem uh, of this water vapor canopy, and I won't go into the science of it, but, you know, they they um, don't believe in it as we're talking about it, but I do believe it, it has strong evidence mm-hmm. biblically. Mm-hmm. So the th- a third issue, and wh- another reason why I believe in this water vapor canopy is, where did all the water come from to fill the earth? Even covering the highest mountains during the flood. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, Pastor, it's a great question. When you think about the flood of Noah, an obvious question is where did that water come from? Water which even covered the tops of the mountains. Because don't scientists say there wasn't enough water, and 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 they argue it wasn't a universal flood, it was just a local flood. Yeah, and to give a little bit of context here, I looked up the wettest place on Earth, which is... Mongolia, India, and the average yearly rainfall is 467 inches. That's 38 feet of rain per year. That's a lot. But Mount Ararat, the mountain where Noah presumably came off the ark, is 16,854 feet tall. So that means Mongolia, India, would have to get 5,000 years worth of rain in just 40 days to cover the top of Mount Ararat. Bottom line is wow. that something beyond the ability of our current ecosystem must have been a place. And that's where Genesis 7, verse 11 comes in. And that says, All the fountains of the great deep were broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened. So it was masses of water from below. Think giant geysers shooting constant water all over the planet. And masses of water from above. Think this water canopy bursting open. And that is what would have caused this worldwide flood. It's a theory, the water caper, uh, vapor canopy, but I tend to find it a credible theory. And I'm going to, again, read from the Genesis record, the Genesis flood by Morris and Whitcomb, and they said this, that the normal hydrologic cycle would therefore have been incapable of supplying the tremendous amounts of rain the Bible describes, which is what you just said. Yeah. So mm-hmm. guess what? Dr. Morris agrees with you, Micah. (laughs) The implication seems to be that the antediluvian climatology and meteorology, in other words, the atmosphere before the flood, Mm -hmm. was much different from the present. There seems to have been an atmospheric source of water of an entirely different type and order of magnitude that now exists. So if if there was this water vapor canopy above the earth and it, it was unleashed, as well as the waters of the great deep opening that would allow sufficient water. Remember just the the rain we just had? Yeah. And that was unbelievable. In the matter of like an hour. And, yeah. And it caused I mean, floods all over. All yeah. over. Mm-hmm. I've never... Uh, driving home that night was going through the LIE. Yeah. It was unbelievable. unbelievable. It was like going through rivers. Yeah. And my wife wanted to go to the Apple store. So, of course, I took her to the Apple store. <laughs> I thought you weren't going to admit that. <laughs> no, <bus>. I wasn't. <laughs> oh, the, but I'll do anything for my wife. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. I, how, did you want to uh, add anything to this? No, do it for Sister Debbie. Amen. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, so let's finally talk about how the firmament is a glorifying space. 
So the firmament is a separating space, it's a living space, but it's a space that, that causes us to bring glory to God. So, Chris, how does this firmament lead us to give glory to God? This firmament is a demonstration of the power of God. Mm. This demonstrates not only raw power, but raw creative architecture, if you will. Mm-hmm. We are not, and despite a lot of New Age mythologies, if you will, mm. the product of an accident of spontaneous combustion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We are also not, for the sake of those who have an opposite perspective, but still blasphemous, the subject of a galactic putri dish experiment of ancient astronauts of yeah. Soul of War. Yeah, yeah. We are, and I'm going to read just really quick yeah. from the 26th uh, verse of Genesis. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Of course, our meaning, the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. We are a testimony of the glory of God. We are here created to give God glory. And... We are given the atmosphere as protection, as nutrients, as God providing for us the perfect atmosphere, the perfect um, living space, if you will. Yeah. To not only live for God, but to see God's glory in the heavens and the earth beyond our atmosphere, beyond our membrane, if you will. Mm-hmm. Our aquatic mm-hmm. membrane was there. Our, our firmament is still there. And it allows us to see the glory of God in the heavens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen. As it says here, God called the firmament, this living space, heaven. And the the prophet says, Sing, O ye heavens, the Lord hath done it. Shout, ye lower parts of the earth. Break forth into singing. And the mountains and the trees could praise God mm-hmm. for this living space that he has made. Even yesterday, how God, or a couple days ago, mm-hmm. the snow that we had. Yeah. This is the power of God that comes into our living space. Mm-hmm. It doesn't snow like this That from what we know in Mars, mm-hmm. right? This is the beauty of God. And, and one of our members sent me a beautiful uh, text message about the, a man, the first man who was able to capture a snowflake and take a picture of it. He was so fascinated with the snow, and it was a a process, and he was the first one, and then he made a beautiful book of of the snowflakes. Because every snowflake, as we know, is so incredibly unique. And just think about this, how Mm -hmm. here's this beautifully unique snowflake, and yet it melts, and nobody can see it any longer, but yet God creates it. Mm -hmm. So, praise God. As the psalmist even says, praise ye the Lord, praise the Lord from the heavens, praise him in the heights. And it says, praise him, ye heaven of heavens, ye waters that be above the heavens. And there are still waters above the heaven to make the snow and the rain for mm. us. Yeah, and Pastor, I also love Hebrews 1, verse 10, which says, And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thine hands. So speaking of God here in anthropomorphic terms, this verse describes the heavens as if God actually fashioned them with his bare hands. And we can just imagine him hanging the planets in the sky like one would hang an ornament, and then spinning them into rotation and tapping them to start circling the sun. You know, we may take the day sky and the night sky for granted most of the time, but every so often, I encourage you, stop, take a good look, and glorify Him, the one who created the heavens and the earth. Amen. Uh, I'll just give you an example. I have a friend of mine. Uh He's a French-trained, actually, in France, pastry chef. He made a point Hmm. that in order to create the perfect dish, if you will, 
it's a science of precision mm, mm-hmm. and love, mm-hmm, mm. and that if these factors are not within certain parameters, which are limited, the dish flop, the dish flops. Yeah. Well, here we are, and obviously we are in an atmosphere where we don't flop, we flourish. Mm. Praise mm. God. Yeah. Amen. Lift up your eyes to the heavens, dear friends, as Micah just encouraged us. And look upon the earth beneath, for the heavens shall vanish away like smoke one day, but it's still here with us. God has made it. He ha- He will preserve it. The last thing we could really think about as we conclude day two is how God, it says here, divided. He says, let the waters be divided from the waters above to the waters below. He divided the waters which were under the firmament Mm -hmm. and with the waters that were above the firmament. And that's really amazing. So on day one, God divided the light from the darkness. On Mm -hmm. day two, he divides the waters above and below. On day three, he's going to do another work of division. He's going to divide the dry land from from the seas. And so each day, and even day four, when he makes the sun and the moon, he's going to, again, use the, the, the lights to divide the light from the darkness. So the first four days, this idea of separation. Mm-hmm. And, and as I looked up that word, I saw how we are to be separate. The same word is used for us to be separated to God, like mm-hmm. he separated the Levites to his service, or the gospel of God mm-hmm. separates us to the Lord. So mm-hmm. what, what do we say about this? And, and how can we apply this theme of division to our lives? Yeah, well, Pastor, everything God divided during the creation week, he called good. But after the fall, the Bible speaks of the duality in terms of good versus evil. So throughout the Old Testament, and then Jesus, who separated the sheep from the goats, the broad way versus the narrow way, and we are to be separated, and we should want to be divided from the world as God's people, as the Bible says. Amen. Thank you, Chris, for being here tonight. Blessed to be here. Thank you and, much. And may God continue to give you strength in your daily life and labors of love for Jesus. Thank you, Micah, yep. Thanks, for Pastor. your wonderful sharing. Thank you, call screeners. God bless you. And dear friends, be strong in the Lord, in the power of His might. Trust Him with all your heart, because He is good. He's a stronghold in the day of trouble. So let us be separated. Come out from among the things of this world and love and worship God. Good night. Thank you for tuning in to the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program. To find out more about Heritage Baptist Church and our service times and locations, visit our website at hbcnyc.org. We stream multiple services online each week, including 11 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7.15 p.m. Wednesday nights. All are welcome, and you can find links to participate in our services on our website hbcnyc.org and join us again next Sunday at 6pm for another Heritage of Faith conversation sponsored by Heritage Baptist Church until then, rejoice in the Lord